Well, welcome to 2022. I expect for a lot of us, this feels a bit like Groundhog Day, really, doesn't it? Have you, who's seen Groundhog Day? How many people know Groundhog Day? So Groundhog Day is this film uh, about a guy who lives the same day, just like over and over again. It's always the same day. And he gets better and better at living that one day, but it is still the same day. And that is what 2022 feels like, doesn't it? Uh, another variant, uh, another vaccination, another lockdown, yippee. It's pretty hard to be excited about life sometimes. Uh, I think the pandemic has left almost everyone feeling trapped or feeling kind of constrained, uh, feeling squashed and squeezed into a smaller life than you really wanted to live, a smaller life than you hoped for. So I want to start this morning with another question uh, through the magic of Slido. And my question is about freedom. If you were free... If you were totally and utterly, completely free, what would that look like for you? What would you do if you were free? And um, if you're at home, um, you can answer this one as well, and we'd love to see your answers. You're just a few seconds behind now, so it takes a moment for your answers to pop up, but you can join in with this one too. What would you, what would you do? What would you be? What would you be like if you were completely free? Uh, I've been thinking about this a bit, and... I have a bunch of ideas, but then I start second-guessing them almost immediately after we get going. So maybe if I was completely free, I'd retire, travel the world, you know, see things. But, but would that really be freedom? Like in the current COVID era, that would just be like an endless series of PCR tests. That's all you'd get for that one, right? Um, <clears throat> would you really want to be free from community? Do you really want to be free from friends and family? Maybe, maybe if I was truly free... Maybe I wouldn't use that to go anywhere after all. Maybe there's some freedom in being right where we are. Maybe I'd use my freedom to write a book. I don't think so. I can't be. Are there enough books, I think, in the world? Learn to cook. It might be about time. What would you do if you were truly free? Let's take a, a little look. Have we got any good answers here? Be extremely lazy. That's a... <laughs> That's an excellent choice. Have no responsibility at all. Traveling and playing all day. Yeah, yeah, okay. Bored. <laughs> if you're completely free, you'd be bored. That's a slightly negative view on it, isn't it? A farmer. Who, who fancies being a farmer? I, I think that could be quite nice, except it's a very hard business. Apparently, Who watched Clarkson's Farm to see how hard it really is? It looks really very hard to do that properly, doesn't it? But uh, there you go. Lots of different things. A massive farm. There you go. A sail on an amazing yacht. Excellent spelling. Bonus points to you there. That's good. It's a big question, right? It's a big question. What does freedom really look like? What does it look like to live out freedom? Um, when, a, when a dolphin jumps, right, from a wave, is it, is it free? When a, when a flower reaches out towards the sun, is that one free? Seems a lot like two freedom, right? And when you shut a dolphin in a pool and you make it do twirls for people... That's probably not free. And when you shut a watermelon in a box and make it grow square, that's probably not free. But here's a question for you. Is a bird in flight as free as a cactus anchored to the ground below it? We might say freedom is really about fully expressing yourself. There might be a reasonable definition of freedom. Freedom is fully expressing yourself. You're free to do what you were made to do, free to be what you were made to be, free to pursue everything that's kind of wired within you and not be held back by anything. 
But then you've got to ask the question, would it actually be good for me to be free, for you to be free? Would it be good if everyone around us was completely free? How would we, how would we live if we were totally unconstrained? Would it be good? Or would a freed world more look like people grabbing and selfishly shoving and fighting over the spoils of a, of a hellish world? Where would freedom lead us today? If we had complete freedom, would it lead us towards heaven? Or would it lead us to a world that was more like hell? As we start the new year, we're going to continue our journey through a short letter in the Bible. It's a letter to a group of churches in an area that used to be called Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. So it's called Galatians, because the people of Galatia. And it was written by one of Jesus' first followers, written to churches he'd started. He started a whole series of churches in this wide area. And these churches, a short while later, were in danger of losing the plot. They were in danger of losing the message of hope that he had brought to them. Now, we've been exploring the letter for quite a few months. So if you were with us in 2021, um, then you've heard some about this before. But if you're just joining us, or if you've just uh, forgotten what we covered last year, which is uh, the sort of thing that actually happens, um, let me quickly bring you up to speed. So some people show up in those churches, and they show up with like what they claim is an add-on, an extra a kind of, oh, the thing he didn't tell you is, they say, it's great that you've got this, Jesus, really good, one more thing for you, you just need to follow all the Jewish rules to be really right with God, to be a part of God's family, you just need to follow all those rules. <clears throat> well, the, the letter we're looking at is this guy, Paul, who started all those churches, writing to say, oh no, you don't, you don't need to follow any other rules. He says, Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Not, not Jesus plus these Jewish rules. That's not what you need. Not Jesus plus a, a little bit more effort from me and some trying harder. Jesus plus nothing. It's all you need. And uh, the letter can seem a bit repetitive. It's like he's banging on about the same thing again and again. But, but he is. And the reason he does that is it's really important for us to get this idea. And it's really easy for us to lose this idea. So as we pick the letter up in the new year, we've got to chapter 5, and there are only six chapters in the letter. It's a bit of a turning point in the letter. And uh, what, what happens front and center, what we're going to be looking at today, is this idea of freedom comes right to the front. So listen with me this morning as Jennifer is going to read for us, and we're in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, if you've got one of the church blue Bibles, that's page 1176. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 1. So page 1176, and just look for the big five. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. 
Thanks very much, Jennifer. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free that started. But the idea of freedom has to be in opposition to something. So you have to ask yourself, freed from what? Well, the same verse tells us, if you look carefully at verse 1, it says, Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery again. And so what he's warning them about here is a a, a return to something, not a new invader, not a new kid on the block that's taking away freedom, but he's warning them about returning to a prison that they owned before. Do not let yourselves be burdened again. And what are they not to be burdened again by? Well, it is the yoke of slavery. Couldn't resist it. Like so many English words, uh, we've got two which sound the same but mean something radically different. And it's actually, of course, the yoke of slavery. And this is this kind of device that connects the animals to the work, to the machine, to the thing that's uh, doing the work. It, it, It harnesses them. It uh, makes them pull. It's, uh, so what's the yoke that's in view here? When he says, don't, don't be uh, subject again to a yoke of slavery, what's the burden that he's thinking about them pulling? Well, in view there is the, the Jewish religious law, um, the Torah as it's called, and the law is described as a yoke or a burden. It's described in this way in the, in the book of Acts, which is the, the history of the earliest church. And it's described this way, interestingly, in the book of Acts in chapter 15, which in the timeline is right about where this letter sits. It's the yoke of the law. So it's kind of terminology that is absolutely live and fresh for them there. So the burden in view is this Jewish religious law, and the particular focus in what we just read is circumcision. That's a kind of permanent body-marking act that was the point of no return for people who were moving into the Jewish faith, people who were joining it. But, but before you write all this off, you're like, Jewish law has nothing to do with me. I'm not in any danger of being subject to the Jewish law. This is irrelevant. It's important that we recognize this letter is written to a mixed group. So some of this group are Jews who became Christians, and they would have that law background that would make total sense to them. But some of this group as well have never been Jews. They're so-called Gentiles. That's kind of the name for the other kind of person. So how can Paul write to all of these people and tell them all, don't let yourself be burdened again? by this yoke of slavery. Well, he can't just be talking about the Jewish law because they're not all going to go back to that. That's new. That would be for the, the, the Gentiles. Well, if you were with us last year, perhaps you'll remember the phrase uh, we talked about, the basic principles of the world, which shows up back in chapter 4. Here it is. Um, uh, the, the guy who writes the letter is talking about uh, how people are burdened, and he says some things that sound like they apply to Jewish people with their law, and then he says a bunch of things that sound like they don't apply to Jewish people. They apply to people who are living under the basic principles of the world, and the writer explained to us these are the basic ways of doing business, basic ways of living in the world. We all have these rules that we feel like we need to keep to be in with the people who matter. So if you want to get in with the eco-brigade, you know, the law for you is thou shalt recycle. You want to get in with your dentist when you see them, thou shalt brush thy teeth twice a day. And floss after meals. It's a longer set of rules for dentists, quite serious bunch. You know, but you want to get in with God, well, you have to be a generally decent sort of bloke. Uh, you have to do your bit or something like that. 
So that's what this idea of basic principles of the world is. It says that all of us, as it were, lived under some sort of law, some sort of set of rules, some set of obligations that we had to keep. And he's telling us, don't go back to that again. Don't return for that. He says, the good news of Christianity is that Jesus Christ has set us free. We were under those elemental spiritual forces. When the time had come, God sent his son to redeem. That's the Bible word for what Jesus has done, to redeem us. Um, That's not like redeeming coupons at Tesco to get 50p off a loaf of bread. This is a a word from the, the, the slave market. Redemption is buying back somebody from slavery out into freedom. So Jesus has taken us from this place of slavery and brought us out into freedom. That's what it's telling us. He set us free from the Jewish law and all its regulations, absolutely. But he made us free from ever needing to prove ourselves to anyone, these basic principles of how the world operates. And he says we're to stand firm in this new freedom, not to go back again to the Jewish law, not to go back again to that basic way of doing business. We relate to God now through Jesus, Uh, not through what we do, but through what he has already done, what's already finished and accomplished. And we can, and we should live like this, live like the redeemed, live free. Now, he says stand firm. He needs to give them that command at the beginning of what we read today. Why do you have to stand firm? Why can't you even give one inch, just a little bit of mix and match? Well, the problem is that these two ways of relating to God don't mix at all. They're like oil and water. You ever shaken up oil and water, and you just can't make them mix? They just don't mix at all. It just doesn't work. We can't relate to God both on our own merit and on Jesus' merits. It's either one or the other. That might seem a bit odd when we live in a world that's totally full of pick and mix. A little bit of new age when it suits me and a bit of science when I'm sick. We, you know, there's a lot of that going around, a bit of rules for other people primarily when it suits me, and a bit of liberty for me, a little bit of bending the rules for me. But there's a, there's a logic to this idea that they don't mix. If we're going to relate to God through rules, through ticking boxes, through performing and proving ourselves, well, there's, there's no point in just ticking a few of the boxes on the page. You have to tick all of them. That's what he says to us here. Uh, This is verse 3 from what we read today. Everyone who lets himself be circumcised, take on this body marking, you are obligated to obey the whole law. There's no point in ticking just one box. You've got to tick the whole lot. Either you don't need to tick any or you need all of them. If you choose this way of relating to God, then you're stuck with it. That's all you've got. Uh, Another of Jesus' early followers, uh, a guy called James, puts it this way. He says, whoever keeps the whole law, who ticks all the boxes on the page and misses just one, he's guilty of breaking it all. It's uh, It's like crossing a border between countries. You know, you're in one nation or you're in the other nation. You're under one set of rules or another set of rules. Uh, We went to France recently through Switzerland. Now, just before France closed its door to Brits, just so you know, didn't sneak in under cover of darkness. Switzerland, negative PCRs within 48 hours. Nothing less will do. France, negative antigens within 48 hours. Nothing less will do. There's no mix and match, though. If you're on this side of the border, there's your rules. If you're on that side of the border, there's your rules. And that's how it is with relating to God, right? Are you standing on the law side of the border 
If you're trying to be justified by the law, then you have been alienated from Christ. You're in another nation. You're in another country, another system of rules. You're across the border. So if you're on the law side, you've got to tick every box. If you're on the Jesus side, the freedom side, then things are completely different. Those rules over there have nothing to do with you. You're in another country. Okay, so far, so good's kind of making sense. Our author wants us to choose the freedom side of the border wall. Freedom in Christ, not a life under law, not a life in slavery. And then he urges us, stand your ground, hold on to your freedom, reject those constraints. But then think back to where we started this morning with this idea of freedom, okay? What would it look like to be truly free? Got a lot of farmers in the room, obviously, is how it's going to work out largely here. But, but we talked about how freedom might be the freedom to fully express yourself, to be who you truly are, to the max, to do what you're made to do, to do what you're wired to do. Well, if I were to live in total freedom, and if you were to live in total freedom, how would that work out for us? How would that work out for our world? Now, I don't know what's going on inside your hearts. I can't see inside them and tell, but I do know myself, at least to some extent, and I know that still deep-rooted inside me, I know there's still bitterness there, right? I know there's still selfishness there, I'm sure. I know there's still anger there. I know there's still pride there. And imagine liberating those things and saying, let's do these to the max. Let me be me and be free. I don't want to see a world filled with that where all of my mess is freely expressed, where I don't try and contain that at all. feels like there's enough of that in our world already. So then how does it work that Christ has set us free and we're meant to live in this freedom where I'm still so broken inside that if you set me free, it would make a real mess? Will I always need to live under some kind of law to constrain me? Will I never be truly free? Is that the way this is going to work? Verse 5 today, I think, is our answer here. Through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Now, we've been set free for freedom. These things have happened. They're decisive. That's accomplished. But that's our destination. There's a day when it will be good and right and wonderful for me to be everything that's inside me, for me to let it all flow out, to express myself without constraint. There'll be a day when that will be wonderful, when that will produce heaven and not hell. And this passage tells us we can eagerly await that day by faith through the Spirit of God, through the Spirit alive within us, through the Spirit that is reprogramming us and transforming us from the inside out. Now, we have sure hope. So when the Bible talks about hope in this way, it's not talking about, I hope it won't rain, but nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring. It's talking about a sure and a certain future. We've got this sure hope ahead of us that it will come, this righteousness for which we hope, a righteousness fit for true freedom, that, that is something worth hoping for. Because it means that there'll be a future when I can be at last truly free, when I can let myself go, as it were, when I can let 
everything that's inside come out. It means this future is a real future where I'll be able to be totally free. And I guess the question to ask you is whether this is your hope, whether you have this confident freedom ahead of you. Now, perhaps you're here today, perhaps you're listening today, and you've never really taken that step of faith to put your trust in Jesus. Perhaps you only ever thought of this Christianity thing really as a prison and as captivity, as rules and constraints to keep you back from things. Perhaps it's always felt like if you were to say yes to this, you would be giving up freedom rather than finally finding the path to true freedom in following Jesus. Well, uh, if that's you, can I invite you to start a new life with a new year? Start it right now. The, the, the first step is simple and small, and yet it is a profound and a life-changing step. We simply accept the truth that Jesus is Lord, that is, he is God to whom everyone will answer, before whom no one can stand because all of us fail to meet his standards. And then we believe that rather than destroying us, he chose instead to die in our place, to take the penalty which should have been ours so that we can get the freedom that was his. He offers us the only path to true freedom. He offers us God the Holy Spirit coming to live within us and transforming us from the inside. Now, this hope can be yours today. Do you want to say yes to this today? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a really short prayer. And if you're ready to say yes, it's not a giant um, palaver that's required. Just pray uh, along with me. Here's my short prayer for you. Give you a moment to look at it, and then we'll pray. Want to start a new life? Let's pray. Father, I acknowledge that you are God and Lord. I know I've not lived rightly before you. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment that was my due so I can live. Please forgive me and send me your spirit so I can share this hope of being finally, truly free. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, it's a little prayer, but it does big things because you share this hope now. Please, would you tell someone if you prayed that so we can celebrate with you and help you as you take first steps in a new life. And if you're on the live stream, um, if we, there's, a, there's a button that we can give you to click to tell us, I prayed that prayer. And I'll give you the chance, if you like, to connect with somebody and speak with them some more. Uh, if you're here in person, you want to connect with somebody, talk to somebody you came with. You don't know somebody, um, talk to me uh, afterwards. But there's a real hope for a true freedom at last through being transformed so that at last we'll be able to let ourselves be who we have become. But what about the here and now? What about 2022? The passage told us we were not to be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That is, we're not to put ourselves back under these sorts of box-ticking, rule-keeping regulations because that doesn't give us freedom. It only gives us a lifetime of captivity. See, that's the, the, the last verse in our section, verse 6. 
in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision, neither keeping those Jewish rules or keeping any other set of rules has any value, has any use. There's no system of rules or checkboxes that brings us freedom. There's no path to freedom through that. But there is something that is ours now in Christ Jesus. There's an anticipation of that true freedom that will one day be fully and finally ours. Here's the rest of that verse. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And faith expressing itself through love, I think, is the way you and I can now begin living out the true freedom that will one day finally be ours by choosing to act out and live out this love. When God is done with us, when he's finally finished his work in transforming us, that will be who we really are. People who are all love, all the way to the core, and all of our acts will naturally flow out of that. That will be our true nature. And when you give us true freedom, we'll live out love. Just like the, the, the flower grows towards the sun or the eagle freely soars on the wind, the dolphin leaps through the waves. Our faith we can freely express itself through love. And as you and I this year and now choose to act out this love, this year we're just starting. As we act out love in small things, maybe you can just give way to somebody else or help them. Maybe you can just, a small act of care. As we act out this love in big ways, maybe somebody has asked something huge of you. And maybe this is the year that you'll be able to do that for them. But as we do that, what that is, is that's the first fruits of the Spirit at work within us. Love is beginning to bud out of the spirit, but it's, it's free, it's true, it's our nature, it's becoming our nature. It's anticipation of that final day when we'll be fully transformed and everything that flows out of us when we're given freedom is love and is goodness. So as we start a new year, I want to challenge you as we start even in this week, choose to let your faith about this future transformation, which is being accomplished, choose to let that begin to express itself now by living in the freedom that one day will be yours by living in these acts of love. Make this year a year that you know a fuller and a richer foretaste of that freedom that one day will be yours. Just going to give us a little few seconds to reflect on that. Where is there a door for you to act out love in faith, in anticipation of this hope in these next few weeks? And then I'll pray for us. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that it is um, for freedom that you have set us free, that that is the destination of the journey that everyone who is following Jesus is on. Thank you that this um, destination is assured. It's a sure hope. We can have confidence that one day we'll be able to live in this true freedom and that it will make a beautiful world. 
as we live in these in-between times, please, my uh, everyone here, know the reality of you at work within us, uh, at work transforming us. Might we be able to look back and see progress we've made? Might we be able to look ahead with confidence that we'll make more progress? As we come into a new year, uh, please would you give us opportunities, opportunities to stretch ourselves in love, to take steps which, although they're challenging now, uh, will in the end be steps of freedom. Help us not to uh, submit again to that slavery and that captivity, but to stretch ahead towards this freedom that you have promised. Thank you that this is possible, as Galatians has been telling us, because you sent your son Jesus into the world. When he died in our place, you adopted us into your family, joined us in his place, and sent your spirit to live within our hearts. Thank you that these are truths that we can hold on to this year. Please might we surprise ourselves and surprise one another as we begin to more and more act out love. We ask this for your glory and for our encouragement on this path towards our future freedom. Amen.